And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 35. What have we got tonight, Dan? Tonight we're taking a look at Green Lantern 48 and Blackest Night number 5. And we should say right off the bat, we did get a bunch of, of listener feedback on these two issues. And we will get to that next episode. But we have to kind of, you know, keep it succinct tonight because you're about to get married. So we're just going to jump right into this. Yes, we have limited, very limited time, and we want to jump right into the issues. So, I guess we'll start off with Green Lantern 48? That makes sense. Okay. You want to give us a rundown? Sure. This is... I guess not a lot really happens. This is kind of the issue where it it has the final word on putting together this light brigade, as you like to call them, (laughs) this little, like, rainbow coalition or whatever of of uh, Hal Jordan, Sinestro, Carol Ferris, Larflees, Atrocitus, Saint Walker, and Indigo One. Uh, picks up right where last issue left off with uh, Atrocitus and Larflees on Okara. All the others show up. They blow up some Black Lanterns. Indigo One, she pulls this cool little trick where she picks up the shards of a uh, Black Ring and uses it to track where the black battery is, so she takes them to Riot, which, you know, it gives us a really cool character moment with Atrocitus, and basically kind of ends on on them just kind of reaffirming their resolve to go kick some butt. So... Okay. Yeah, yeah that's this issue. <laughs> okay. You know what? I think the first thing that I kind of want to talk about is the art. Yeah. Um, there are certain scenes in this issue that look absolutely beautiful. Like, for instance, the very last splash page with all the batteries. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's beautiful. Like, that right there, you know, that's something that you could turn into a poster. It's just, it's fantastic. You got all the batteries there, glowing, crackling energy. You got two of the, you know, the blue guardians, Larflees and Indigo One. Beautiful. And... You know, conversely, you have, you know, like earlier in the issue where the Light Brigade, you know, gets to Okara, and it's just like this this panel with uh, St. Walker, Hal Jordan, uh, Carol Ferris, Sinestro, and Indigo One, and like, well, I mean, I guess Sinestro looks pretty good, you know what I'm saying? He's supposed to look sinister and a little distorted. yeah. Well, this has the same problem as last issue, where, like, if you look in the front, it has three anchors again. Oh. There's definitely, like... I mean, once you get to the that two-page spread with Atrocitus attacking Sinestro, it's like we're back to, like, the kick-ass kind of art and inking we're used to in there, and that stays for, like, most of the scene. But then it... As soon as you get to the part where Sinestro is threatening to blow up Okara, it's back to the kind of kind of sketchy ink work again. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. So, so yeah, like like I said though, some of this like I really enjoyed, um, and some of it I absolutely like just was like scratching my head. It's like you know how can this come from the same book? And it's weird. I just I I just looked at um the page where Saint Walker is kneeling by Atrocitus, yeah. and that art is completely clean. It's like so incredibly different from three pages earlier. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, it's kind of cool that they broke it up almost by planet, because it's like they got the different anchor on once they jumped to a riot. (laughs) 
Really? I think so. I think that's when it changes. I don't think so. Oh, wait, wait. Maybe when they get to Riot? Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, uh, no? No, it, it's, you know, it jumps around with the other pages. Wow. Uh, eh, I tried giving them an out. All right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, this isn't planet-specific. So, anyway. So how about Atrocitus? Because this, this gave him some depth. Yeah. I don't think he had before. This is great. Well, you know, it gave him depth, although, like, part of me kind of wonders, it's like, does this completely jive with the Atrocitus we saw in Secret Origin? I don't know. It it might be a case of, like, in Secret Origin, he assumed he was going to be in control of the Black. And now that's obviously not the case, and it's probably not going to be the case. So he has no choice but to, like, take up arms against the Black. Yeah, but... Like, by the, you know, in the end of this issue, it basically says that, like, he was doing everything to fight for life. So even if he was in control of the black, he would still be using the powers of the black, which, you know, I guess even if you're using it, you're still going to be affecting life negatively. We'll we'll, we'll get to that later, because that's kind of touching on something else I want to get to. Okay. Um... But I like this revelation, like, it's it's more like explaining his rage in, like, a kind of reasonable way. It's just, just that shot, that scene of him just kneeling inside Hal's construct. And he he shifts from rage to just remorse. It's like, the Manhunters came. They came and we did, we did nothing to deserve this. We did nothing. Right. It's, it's like this sadness, you know, like, and it's, it's totally makes sense. It's. And the, there was like there was that moment where until Saint Walker said that his parent his uh family died via accidents, I could totally see Atrocitus like not, I don't, don't want to say bonding with him, but like finding some legitimate common ground, maybe like the seeds of like a mutual respect or understanding between them. Just the fact, and I might be reading too much into it, but like. Just the fact that he would, like, turn his head to face St. Walker and ask how they died, that seems to almost legitimize his concern or his his desire to know, you know? Well, I mean, like, I, I, I can see how you could see it like that, but, you know, it could also be, like, the kind of thing where it's like, here you have this blue lantern who's saying, like, I was enraged as well. And then Atrocitus turns to him and it's like, well, now he's curious because he's talking about rage. You know, and then, you know, I think, like, the whole point of the scene, you know, it's kind of like to uh, put an emphasis on the difference between what makes somebody, you know, a Blue Lantern and what makes somebody a Red Lantern. You know, like, if you're a Blue Lantern, that means that you've you've had people, you know, close to you die, but you realize that, there's still a plan for the universe. Red, it's like, you know, people close to you die, and there is no reason. It's just, you know, just a hateful, rageful thing, you know, that is going to stick with you. So let's talk about that vision. Of uh, Atrocitus as a Blue Lantern. Yeah, and did you read that as him getting married? Because I kind of did. I... I don't know. I, I don't necessarily know that I saw him, you know, like getting married. More along the lines of like 
him and his wife both being accepted into the Blue Lantern Corps. Hmm. How about those uh, those blue constructs that he's like generating to go into Atrocitus's mind? Are those supposed to be the um, the other inversions, or what are those? I'm not entirely sure, but I, I'd say either that's a good guess, or it could just be like members of his race that were wiped out in the uh, you know the massacre. You know, the, those are all people that he's lost that were close to him, kind of like with uh, you know John Stewart seeing Katmatui. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Speaking of seeing things, a couple pages later, when they have that uh that hundred percent power level flash there. Right. Was that supposed to be the same thing like Barry went through in uh issue four of Blackest Night where he's running and all of a sudden he gets like this like massive feedback when it uh the battery hit one hundred? you know, that's that's a better explanation than what I had. Oh, uh, what'd you think? Like I I can't really see any reason why that should happen. The only reason, you know, why I think it would happen is because Hal Jordan of Earth is, you know, Black Hand's, like, arch enemy. You know, like, that's the the one, you know, you know person, you know, the one thorn in his side all this time. So, you know, if the Black Hand is going to send out an image using his, you know, death, you know, death avatar powers, then he would send it to Hal Jordan. Yeah, and part of me thought, like, okay, maybe Hal... Hal got this burst just like Barry did, and but like when Barry got it, he was alone. Maybe if you're with a group of people like this, they'll all see it, or because all their rings are flaring out, are flaring up. So maybe it like, like it went to Hal, but like spread out through their rings or something. I don't know. It, it was it was pretty plot devicey. Yeah, and it didn't really seem like they needed it because like two seconds later, Indigo One figures out exactly where to go. Yeah. Yeah, no, like that that's that's difficult to explain unless they explain it later like, you know, Black Hand says like, you know, so, oh, I guess you got my message or something like that. It's like I've been calling and I've been calling, I've been calling, been making visions pop up everywhere. I've been leaving post-its on every moon I could find. <laughs> Let's see, somewhere in here Indigo 1 refers to Avancer as her savior. Yes. And you know, I'm going to I think it was Corwin who mentioned it, and I haven't been looking around for theories or anything. So when he said this, I was like, oh. And you, you're you more familiar with this story than I am, but in Tigers, like that first story where this all came from, right? why did Abansur go to Yasmalt again? Yeah, he was, wasn't he like trying to like uh, stop a criminal that had, Wait, no, it wasn't stop a criminal. It was a call for, yeah, a call for help. Yeah, a ship had crashed, and there was one surviving child. Oh my god. Like, maybe that's her. Oh my god. Oh my god. Wow, that's good. I know. I'm like, it's, like, it totally has to be that now. (laughs) I can't believe we've been ta- we talked about tigers like in eighteen of our thirty five episodes and we've never came, like thought of that. Oh man, I didn't even 
I completely forgot the whole reason why he was there. Yeah. Because once you start thinking about the prophecy, that kind of takes up your mind. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that would that would make absolute sense in that he risked everything, and he found out, you know, about the Blackest Night prophecy, which eventually led to his downfall. And you know, he so he basically risked, you know, his life. He gave his life to save her as a child, if that was her. Yep. So that would uh. I, I could I could see her feeling like she has a debt to pay after that. Oh God! Wow. Yeah. Oh wow, that's really good. What do you think of some of the dialogue in here? The dialogue. All right. I can summarize my thoughts on the dialogue with one sentence. Everything Larflees says is amazing. <laughs> Done. Like <laughs> he's just so like he's kind of like. Your, like, comic fan POV character, like Superboy Prime was, except, like, more funny. Atrocitus is taking the bad, orange batter, and he's like, no, I, I wrote my name on the bottom. You can see, it's mine. See? Yeah. And, like, he's getting smalled by Black Lantern. He's like, oh, I've had such a crappy week. <laughs> or, like, I, my favorite is when, like, he's going on and on and on, and then Hal hits him with a stop sign. And he just stops to say, like, what's that? I never learned to read. What? Yeah. Well, okay. Like, I mean, so- sometimes I think the things that he says are a little over the top, but, like, the thing, like, I guess the one character whose dialogue just, like, constantly sticks out to me is Carol. You know how, like, in, in previous episodes we were saying how Larflees doesn't look anything like Gonzo. What he actually looks like is Uncle Deadly. Yeah. Uh, one of our, I guess one of our listeners came over there. Oh, yeah. I don't remember who it was, but somebody definitely did. Yeah. And he's absolutely right, but they kept on comparing him to Gonzo. So, yeah, Uncle Scrooge, if he had a power ring, it says in the dialogue, but he reminds me of Gonzo. And then she says, Gonzo didn't have hair. He had feathers like Uncle Scrooge. So it's it's almost like, you know, she's trying to, you know, I, I don't know, like, cover up for the fact that they kept calling him Gonzo, even though he looks at nothing like Gonzo. Yeah, it it almost felt like she should have thrown in another character to compare him to instead, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just odd dialogue. I'll tell you the best bit of dialogue, though. Right next to the title page, bottom panel, Glomulus just going gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> and very timely, too, because this is yes. like yeah. a week after Thanksgiving or something. A week before Thanksgiving. Whatever. Oh, and it happened. It finally happened. It was super short, but I love it anyway. Orange Lantern Glomulus versus Black Lantern Glomulus, and it was glorious. <laughs> yeah, but the one that I really wanted to see was Black Lantern... Uh, oh, what's his name? Glomulus. No, the Green Lantern. Um, Mogo. No, the, the, gypsy Mo- the Gypsy Green Lantern. Who died um, in the Ancient Orange storyline. Oh, um, um, ah, oh, damn it. Um, damn it. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> That's, um, well, yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, so. It'll, it'll come to us, maybe. But, uh, yeah, no, I didn't see that happen. And based on the last page, are we supposed to take it that their battery is in the staff? I I guess. 
Because then it doesn't make sense why they can't just recharge on the fly and just, like, teleport around more. I mean, <laughs> it's like, I just, all right, at this point, like, obviously they're, they're teasing the whole Indigo Lantern thing still. A lot still unknown in mystery and whatever. I want to know, not because I'm engrossed in the mystery of them or their mystique or anything like that. I want to know because I'm genuinely curious how compassion works as per this power. That's all. I just want to know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. At this point, maybe they better not explain it. Just because there's almost no way, you know, it'll be completely consistent everywhere. When have they ever done that, Vice? Uh, how about uh, when Sinestro's, like, just before he's, like, making his, his threats to Atrocitus and uh, Larfleas? Hal Jordan uses, he makes a big ring construct at uh, Larfleas, and it's like a giant duck. Yeah. Well, he does look like Uncle Scrooge after all. I mean, come uh, on. <laughs> it's nothing like that. I, I I don't know why they went for that, but it's cool. I like it. It's a giant construct of a duck giving, you know, just like poking at it. Yeah, why not? Larfleas is silly. He tends to make you forget he's like insanely powerful, like, could kill absolutely everyone in sight. <laughs> yeah. Um, what'd you call it? So, uh, here's here's another instance where compassion is like, let me force him to feel compassion for the rest of the universe. It's like, I am not so certain compassion is what he lacks, Indigo. You know, as, like, she's trying to use her compassion powers to, I guess, calm down Atrocitus. Now, this is, like, the second time that that hasn't worked. You know, like, they, they just... She, she she just tried using it on, uh... A manga all over in a... Yes, yes. Didn't work there, didn't work here. I mean, like, that seems to be, like, a pretty useless ability for the Indigo Lantern. You gotta figure it's probably worked well for her in the past, or she wouldn't keep trying it. I mean... <laughs> Guys like Mongol and Atrocitus might just be extreme cases. Well, they they most certainly are extreme cases. And the, I think the weirdest looking thing to me in this whole issue is that Blue Lantern vision. The reason being, like, I keep forgetting that that shield thing behind Atrocitus's head isn't actually part of his head. Oh, oh. I mean, his, his helmet. Yeah, I... I guess it's a helmet, because it, like, it only goes, it doesn't cover the top of his head at all, it just goes around the back and is on either side of his face. Right. Like, I keep thinking, oh, that's just how his head is. Why not? Yeah, no, no, uh, definitely not, considering that it was completely different in, uh, Secret Origin. Oh, who remembers that? Me. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, that's all I got for 48. You? Yeah, I mean, like, just the... The differences in looks of uh, St. Walker, once again. Yeah. 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 You, you got the St. Walker, like, later on, where he's, like, talking to Atrocitus, kneeling down, you know, on the spot where, you know, Atrocitus' family was, you know, wiped out or whatever. Um, and then that one scene earlier on where, you know, they're all together there, where they're just beaming onto Okara. Hmm. And, I mean, like, aside from the fact that, you know, he looks a lot weirder, he looks a lot more alien there, he's got those those markings 
you know, on the front of his face. Oh, I I know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Odd. Don't know if they're, I don't, I'm pretty sure, I'm almost positive that he's not supposed to have markings on his face like that. No, he absolutely is not. Right, okay, good. Like, so, I, I broke this, I broke this down for somebody the other week, because they thought I was just making something out of nothing. And I'm like, no, no, look, here's how he looked in that splash page in Green Lantern 25. Alright, based on that, they came up with this for the Rage special. Then they redesigned him this way through Evan Hayes, and that's how it stayed up until Doug Monkey came aboard. And in between then, like three other artists drew Saint Walker, and they all used the Evan Hayes design. So that's how this character looks. And then along comes Doug Monkey, and you know he does a great job with everything else in the book, but he seems like he's trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to this character. Like, I equate this to if all of a sudden they started drawing Hal Jordan with two noses and blonde hair and just acted like everything was completely normal and never referenced the change. He likes his blue lanterns like he likes his women. Completely alien looking. <laughs> I like my blue lanterns like I like my women with triangles on their face. <laughs> oh... Okay. Speaking of triangles on the face, want to take us through Blackest Night number five? Oh. Um. Yeah, sure. Like nothing happens. The end. <laughs> okay, Blackest Night number five. Uh, this gives us the big Necron on the cover issue that we've seen in previews. Yep. Uh, starts out. You got all the uh, the Light Brigade there together. They're all charging up their their uh, batteries for an awesome two page spread. Now now this is this is good art. This I like. Uh, you got uh you got them all like just about to beam onto Earth to follow the black battery. Then you have the Flash, who is trying to take out the Black Hand, but uh, that's not happening. And then he gets a little bit of reinforcements through uh, the other Flash which we'll get to that later, and mm-hmm. the Justice League of America as well as the Teen Titans, or is that just the Titans? Uh, no, it's... There's there's some of the Teen Titans in the... Well, who the hell's... Yeah, it's just the Titans. <laughs> okay, so just the Titans. Uh, that's their reinforcements. Um, you have uh, the Atom and Mera. They're fighting off uh, Grant Emerson, who is who was damaged... He was just turned into a Black Lantern last issue. And Gene Loring, you know, the, both those Black Lanterns are attacking them. And somehow they get sucked into a Black Lantern ring. Cue back to the Justice League of America and Titans taking out as many Black Lanterns as possible. Everybody realizes that Dove is uh, severing connections left and right. Flash comes up with a great idea. Okay, we don't have any Green Lanterns around, but there's some Guardians, you know, hanging around up there. So let's try and get them. And uh, as they're trying to free the Guardians, that's when Scar, the, you know, Black Lantern Guardian, kind of comes in to try and, you know, take them out and get this awesome scene where she's, like, looking totally hideous. And that's when the Light Brigade comes in. The cavalry has arrived. 
and they just kind of like wipe her out. They head straight towards the the black central battery, which is in Coast City, and they focus all of their powers on it to recreate the power of the white light. And it does absolutely nothing except for making Necron stronger. A ring flies out of Necron's scythe battery thing, heads straight towards Batman's skull, recreates a black lantern of Batman, or so we are led to believe, who then kind of like establishes like emotional tethers to a bunch of the uh, the heroes that have been deceased. Rings come flying out of uh, his mouth as he vomits them out. They, you know, go right to these, you know, heroes that have died once before and made a resurrection. And they are turned into Black Lantern, I guess Black Lantern living versions of themselves. And rings are coming for Hal Jordan and Barry Allen. And that's where we leave off. I guess, alright, can we start with Batman? (laughs) Absolutely. Alright, this is the first thing that jumped out at me, and I hope I'm not the only person to think this. Black Lantern Batman is... This is the laziest Black Lantern costume design I have ever seen. Because they just (laughs) took his regular costume and stuck a Black Lantern emblem in the middle of the bat. It's like... Every single other Black Lantern we've ever we've seen so far, whether it be in here, in a main book, in a tie-in book, in a stupid thing that nobody else but us will buy and read, they all have these like nice intricate designs that make sense with the black hand emblem and the whole like design of their previous costume. With this, it's like, nah, just slap that on there. It'll be great. He's only there for three pages. It'll be fine. Well, like the whole circumstance surrounding, you know, Batman coming, you know, becoming a Black Lantern here is, like, completely suspect. Like, this is not how any of the other ones, you know, worked out. Like, from the beginning, from the very beginning, the only reason that he comes back is because an emotional tether was created when Flash tried to to take the skull away from the Black Ant. Did you realize that? Did you see that before? I saw something happen to the skull. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to just have moved or something, or what the... Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, that skull. You were the one that dug up Bruce's grave, because him and Hal Jordan had uh, been investigating that in the beginning. He reaches for it, and, like, I guess he gets, like, uh, a burst of pain or something. Get your damn hands off, as he goes to reach for the, 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 the skull. And that's when it says, emotional tether manifested. And that's when, like, it's almost like the the head, it it makes a noise of... It's like, that's that's where the, the first emotional tether is created. So, I mean, like, going from that, it's kind of like... I like, I, I, like, like I said, the, the circumstances surrounding Batman's death are completely mysterious. We don't know what the story is. But, uh, like, if you have an emotional tether there, Batman comes back to life, and, you know, Bruce Wayne is, in quotes, you know, is, is allowed to, you know, be laid to rest when he's, when Necron's done with him. You have served your purpose, Bruce Wayne, in quotes, back to rest. 
and he doesn't say anything while he, you know, is brought back. So, one thing that I was kind of thinking about, here's just, like, a little theory that I'll shoot out. Mm. Batman, he's, you know, the ultimate, you know, planner. He's got, like, basically a contingency plan for everything. So what if he had a contingency plan for what happened to him after he died? As in what? <laughs> like, what do you what do you think happened here? <laughs> I don't know, but, like, if you have a character who is friends with, you know, a magician, he, he was, like, good friends with Zaytana, he studied, you know, like, a ton of, like, martial arts and mystical, you know, things like that from, from monks, it's not completely out of the question to, you know, think that maybe through meditation he figured out a way to, like, I guess either not save his soul so much, but to, you know, keep it safe from somebody that wanted to, you know, take it. Mm, that, that, I don't know. That's like, that's get entering into a level that I don't like to see Batman go... I mean, Grant, like, let him plan, whatever, like, but, like, keep him a little more grounded and away from, like, the the weird, like, magic stuff. Dan, right now I'm looking at a page where Batman is spewing out black vomit with rings coming out of his mouth. Little flying rings with bat wings. Yes. I'm pretty sure that keeping Batman grounded in reality goes out the window at that point. Well, this isn't Batman. Come on. <laughs> exactly. This kind of looks like him. That's what I'm saying. It could just be that he's not actually dead, so Necron couldn't bring him back, so he just got, like, a construct of him running around. Well, I mean, he, he refers to him as Bruce Wayne. The other thing the other thing that I think is important to notice is the symbol on his chest. Not the Black Lantern symbol, like the bat symbol on his chest. What about it? It's not the normal bat signal. Does it look like a particular version that stands out to you, or is it like... Oh, I mean, I'm sure that there is a version in the past. You know, I mean, like, after Neil Gaiman's Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader story, where that the, the book is basically, like, a retelling of how Batman died, like, a whole bunch of different ways, with a whole bunch of characters, you know, giving, like, their, you know, their stories of how Batman died. I mean, I would guarantee that this, you know, design would match at least one of those Batman. Maybe. I don't know. Um, alright. I think everything else, well, not even everything else, this include, I think everything cool and important about this issue all, like, revolves around the same thing. And that is the Guardian's lie. Right. Now, alright. We see them, like, get to the point that we thought they were going to end up working towards in issue, like, eight. You know, we we have Indigo One saying that the White Light of Creation is the antithesis of the death powering the Black Lantern. And then they do do their thing, make a Captain Planet reference that I appreciated greatly, (laughs) and it only makes Necron stronger. So, alright, here's what I'm thinking. And this is going to take some explanation. Okay. All right. Maybe white light didn't give birth to life. Like, the instant all seven start firing on the black battery, ne- Necron states, like, immediately as it's happening, like, 
the Guardian's lie is about to be exposed. As if, like, them trying this out for themselves is going to start to reveal something. Maybe combining the powers to make the white light doesn't actually work. It's like, maybe it was never supposed to work. What if the origin of the emotional spectrum is the lie? I, I, I understand what you're saying. The Guardians, they'll do anything possible to keep the emo- emotional spectrum down. We know that. Right. Necron is in chains. Right. The Guardians are as old as light itself. Maybe the Guardians and Necron all existed in the beginning, and this is kind of touching on stuff we said before, but maybe they all existed in the beginning when everything was darkness, and Necron introduced the concept of light. But the Guardians didn't like it. Too much chaos. But they either could not stop the spread of light once it started, or they got seduced by the benefits of light. You know, even though they hated how chaotic it was. So the Guardians imprisoned Necron, and they left to live in the light, embracing willpower so they could dampen all the other aspects of the spectrum that they didn't like, trying to make the universe of light as similar to their home in the darkness as possible. I think that that is... I think I have a feeling that's going to be close to the actual story. Although, I don't know, because it said that, you know, it it said that first there was darkness, and then, like, light, white light took over for, like, 700 years. And then the light was, like, splintered, you know, and then it was, like, a a battle, right? Well, didn't didn't it say that in one of the books? Yeah, yeah. I think issue three of this, four? Three, issue three. So, I mean, like... I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I, I can't. I can't fully see where where this is going. And I mean, like, that's that's kind of awesome that I can't yeah, see where thing. it's going. Yeah. But the one thing that I, you know, did really really notice was that, like, right right in the beginning, right the first page. Yes. You know, right when they're on Raya, like the rest of the self-appointed guardians, Ganthit and Said, or Said were born on the planet Maltus, the world where life first began. Now, right off the bat, like, they're emphasizing that that's where life first began. Yeah, I don't think they told us that before, either. I, I think they've, they've brought that up in the past. Um, so, I mean, like, first off, we can, you know, correlate that with the fact that they, they've said in the past that when the first sentient being, you know, decided to move, that's when willpower was created. So basically, like, it was, I don't know, like a guardian or an ancestor of a guardian, when they first decided to move, that's when willpower was created. You know, like, on top of that, like, so we don't know how that correlates to, you know, light and darkness, unless life started, and then when it decided to move, it created willpower, and that light is the light that, you know, first interrupted the darkness, so that maybe it's the Guardians that created light themselves by deciding to move, and maybe Necron is the one that embraced the darkness, and he got chained up because of it. And the thing, I feel like I should have questioned this earlier, is, and I still say Necron was the perfect character used for this, not just because of who he is, but just because... He's basically a blank a blank slate. They can do whatever they want with. It's awesome. Because um, what do we know about Necron going in? He's like your generic death god kind of guy. Rules 
a limbo-ish dimension or whatever. That's it. That's all we got. And it occurred to me, as I was reading the part where they're all firing at the battery, and it makes them stronger, I'm like, wait, if Necron is a death being, why does it take emotional spectrum energy to raise him? Like, you would think that would be the antithesis of everything about it. Like, that should hurt him. But then I started to think about what we've been reading for the last, like, forever, it feels like. Since day one, the Black Lanterns have been going around finding the most intense, concentrated emotions they can and dumping it into the Black Battery. You would think that piling all that emotional power into one focused spot would be... It would, like, kill Necron or something. Instead, it gives him the strength to rise. Right, okay. So that means we've been looking at it completely wrong. Oh, yeah, I think... And, like, the whole white light thing... All right. Because I was thinking about Dove, too. And, like, I think... I just... When I I sat down and reread these this morning, and my mind just started going... The one thing this issue hits home for me above all else is that Necron has been in control of this situation far beyond any of our expectations. You know, every single resurrection since the, I think they said since the first crisis was intentionally allowed by him, basically to get to this moment. On the white light, like maybe we've been looking at the Dove thing completely wrong. You know, like, like the first time Dove started emitting a big burst of white light, she saw a vision of Don Hall, the original Dove, who's dead. Now all of a sudden, Dove is front and center by the Black Central Battery. It, it, maybe Necron has been moving her into position. You know, because if, if, if the white light is tied to the emotion, emotional spectrum at all, and she's giving off, giving off white light, and emotional spectrum energy ra- like raised him, or rose him, I don't know what the sentence crap is, he might want her there for a specific reason. I think on the cover, I forget if it, he looks like this in the book, but on the cover, you can clearly see Necron's heart. I think we're going to see Necron's body regenerate, and he's going to be a guardian, and he's going to be essentially the good guy pushed too far in a way. Well, the thing that I picked up on was... Necron, you know, makes a point of saying to um, Barry Allen Flash, your death was the first Barry Allen of Earth, and your rebirth the last, so says Necron. It's, you know, to me, that kind of emphasizes that, okay, so the Flash's death that he was able to come back from, like, that was the first one, that was the first biggie. But Don Hall... The you know the uh, original Dove, he died before the Flash, and you know he never came back. So I mean you know like here you have Necron, and you know uh, once again going back to the very first issue of Blackest Night, Don Hall of Earth, he was at rest, he could not be risen. So you know it's almost like I I don't think it's so much that Necron is trying to position Dove to be there, but I think, you know, it's more to the effect that Dove is like, you know, it's this this energy in a, in a different format that he can't touch. So, you know, like, the white light itself, he can absorb, but the white light in that format is something that, you know, 
something that he can't, he has no power against. I don't know. I think if there is any connection between the white light and the emotional spectrum energy, then I just, I don't see it as a coincidence that, because I mean, he's had his fingers in all these different pies for so long. Like, I don't, I, I don't right now buy that it would be a coincidence that, oh, hey, this chick with the white light power just happens to be right in front of Necron and his battery when the emotional spectrum power is what's feeding Necron, even though it really shouldn't, but it does. Well, I mean, it could be that they'll have to somehow siphon the white light away from Necron. Yeah, there's another thing, because it occurred to me, like, right before we started doing this tonight, that realistically, there's already a huge mass of white light just sitting there waiting to be unleashed. And it's inside the black battery. Because if you think, if you think about it, like, like, what have they been telling us all along? Like, oh, you have to combine the powers of the emotional spectrum to generate the white light of creation that will do this and that and the other thing. And that's exactly what the Black Lanterns have been doing. They've been grabbing up every handful of emotional energy they can, dumping it into the same concentrated spot and letting it build up. Every single time we ever see the black battery, it's got like this nice healthy white glow coming out of it. And I always chalk that up to, well, everything else is black, so they can't make the energy black, or you won't be able to see anything. Now I'm thinking, you know what, there might be an actual story reason to that. Because like every now and then, too, you'll see the Black Lanterns flying around, and the energy coming off their rings doesn't look dark. A lot of the times, it'll look almost white. And granted, that's something that changes, like, depending on who the colorist is, too, but like... Well, what if... What if Necron, you know, in his chains was, you know, bound to, you know, this this limbo, like, afterlife, where it's nothing but, you know, the power of the black. Then, you know, here you have Necron, who presumably was at one time living. Then, eventually, you would just be like, you'd be so obsessed with, I guess, getting some light into your your realm of darkness, he doesn't want it though. I don't. I don't take it like he wants, or maybe he does. If my thing was right before, I don't know. I'm confusing myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, he he's absorbing all these emotions. Yeah, I totally forgot what I just said like five minutes ago. It's almost like he wants to bring darkness to this universe, so that everybody that's in this universe, or you know, or maybe even just the guardians, maybe he'll like keep the guardians locked up here. And basically trade places, you know, like, so that everybody, you know, lives in the this dark dimension where the light exists there. And this, you know, dimension where it was once the light dimension, you know, is, is now the dead dimension. I mean, Necron, like, I get the feeling from him, like, he's kind of like, like, the parent who's, you know, waiting by the van and is like, all right. Alright kids, we play, we run around the park enough, it's time to pile in the van and go home. You know, cause he's like, it's, it feels like he's, he's finally ready to like, rein in everything that's been going on and just like, have everyone go back to where they're supposed to be, you know? 
and this is gonna be kind of macabre, but you know, maybe the Donna Troy bite didn't change her. Maybe it just begun to let out what was already there. Mm. You know, maybe it, at the end of all this, it'll stand revealed that you know Black Hand is right. Death and darkness is where we all really do naturally belong, but we just end up choosing to remain in the light as long as we can. Like I don't, I don't necessarily see Blackest Night ending on a completely high and bright note. Like I feel like I feel like we're going to have to deal with some kind of, to borrow a term, in, inconvenient truth about the nature of the universe that you're just not gonna be able to wash off. You know? Well, what if? Like you were saying, you know, the, uh, you know, he's like the, uh, the parent kind of thing. What if, like, it's more literal and he actually is, like, the father of the Guardians? Like, what if he's the one that created life? You know, that's another, that's one of those ways, what did it say on page one? Since, blah, 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 blah. Oh, it wasn't in this issue. Where they, I think they even said when the first being urge like urge itself to move or whatever like you always you whenever you hear that you always assume it's not literally talking about one specific thing but like maybe it was maybe it was him mm. maybe these are his kids he's trying to rein in perhaps maybe he's crona huh no he's not he's not no he's not <laughs> um, what you call it uh what did you think of the the adam and mera being sucked into the ring i have no idea this does like did Eclipso have size changing powers? Could she do no, that? No. And it didn't look like it was like a defensive move by the Atom, did it? I it didn't. I mean, unless she somehow activated his uh size changing belt, which I guess she would know how to do. Yeah. I mean it it kinda tracks with how she killed um Sue Dibney in Identity Crisis. Spoiler. But I don't think she has that power unless she's wearing his belt, so I don't know. Yeah, that was odd. Oh, one thing that, like, I I was actually thinking about with this issue, I guess I probably should have thought about it with the last issue. Last issue, when the battery made the transition into, you know, to Earth, basically, you saw the Black Lantern Ash and Black Lantern uh, Sarek. Yeah. Oh, are they not there now? Well, I didn't notice them in this issue, but that's not the point that I was trying to make. The point that I was trying to make was that Blackest Night, like, it basically got kicked off when the two of them were on Riot, and a giant, like, a hand was coming out of the ground to, you know, to get them. Hmm. So, like, you know, we were kind of wondering, it's like, okay, well, you know, do they escape, or, you know, are they captured, and are they turned into Black Lanterns? Well, if that's, like, that's the very, you know, place where it's beginning, you know, that's where it all begins. That's the start that, you know, these hands reach out and, you know, they want flesh. And these two Green Lanterns, like, you know, they ventured very close, so here's a nice little snack. You would think that they would be the first ones taken, right? Yeah, as in, like, the first Black Lanterns to rise, kind of? Yes, yes. But they weren't. The first two were the two hawks. Those were the first... Oh, actually, yeah, it did say that, didn't it? Because I was going to say, maybe it's just the first that we saw. No. Those were the very first because you had the, you know, 0.01 and 0.02. 
That's true. So, hmm. you know, like, I, it doesn't make sense that this hand is coming out of the ground and they're able to elude, you know, this power or whatever for just long enough so that, you know, the Hawks become Black Lanterns, but then they succumb and they become Black Lanterns. Hmm. And the other thing that I was thinking about was it's it's interesting because the two of those lanterns, you have one that communicates with the dead and the other one hunts vampires. Yeah. So, I mean, like, they're so closely tied into, you know, death. You know, I, I guess that also kind of leads one to wonder, like, you know, how does the concept of vampires play into Necron's, you know, whole... Uh, it depends, because, like, everywhere you look has a different explanation for vampires. If you look over here, they're magical. If you look over here, they're the result of some weird disease. If you look over here, they glow in the dark and play baseball. It's, it's I don't know, it, it could be related, or it could just be a completely different entity unto itself. I think it was definitely by design that those two were chosen, because, like, because Scar sent both of them on that quest. So she picked the two Green Lanterns that would probably do the best against an army of the undead and got them out of the way. Right. That's true. I like how they they mentioned Kyle's uh, encounter with Necron from that ghost Samuel. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a throwaway line to let you know that Necron has popped up before. Yeah, and then Hal says something about it when he shows up too. What you call it? The the design of the power batteries in this issue. Hmm. Uh, it it looks to me like they're different than how they're typically drawn. Yeah, they are. Okay. I wanted to make sure. I, you know, like the green is okay. And yellow seems pretty good, and orange is you know, I guess close. But the violet and the blue definitely look like uh, they're a little off. Yeah, so I don't think Sinestro's handle looked like that either. I'm not sure. It does. I think it's usually a little bit bigger, but it, it looks like that. Hmm. Oh, oh, here we go. Uh, Larflees's uh, oath. Is it Yao? I don't think because somebody on the forum said it was just the word mine, and you know, I'll take that. Well, Jeff Johns, like they've quoted Jeff Johns saying that it isn't mine. Oh, I don't know. I hope it's something... I, I don't know, because that's something... I don't even know if I care anymore what his oath is, because they made such a, like, a big deal. Like, every time it would come up, him and Dan Didio would always say, oh, it's our favorite one, it's so awesome, and you'll love it when you see it, and then they just never talked about it ever again or showed it to us, so I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have an oath, and the whole thing is just, like, a red herring. Well, then they're jerks. Then we hate them. That's, that's it. You know, I think it's kind of weird that here you have the skies going black, the dead coming back to life, and they they now know, like, the epicenter of where everything's going on in Coast City at this Black Lantern. And the only people that bother to show up are the Justice League and the Titans. Well, to be fair, there's, like, a world full of zombies happening, so some people just might not be able to get there, like, right away. Ah. Uh. It like, just, frankly, it, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that Green Arrow and Black Canary got there as soon as they did. Yeah, we get to see uh, Wally West's new costume. 
they uh got that reveal in the right order just in time to yeah literally one week did you read flash rebirth five yes is that five yeah it's five i think it looks better in that than it does here because and this is like like overall i like his new costume because it's like it's 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 enough of the same and enough difference and like you can kind of see where they pulled in elements from different versions of the flash yeah like the television show yeah the emblem on there i thought that was kind of cool but my big problem is that whether or not it, it differentiates the two really depends on the colorist yeah because it would be it's so insanely easy to just not make his suit dark enough and he'll look exactly the same as Barry Sill. Well, not exactly, but close enough. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I picked up on that. Um, what you call it? The last double page, splash page, with uh, all of these heroes that have once died now as Black Lanterns. Yes. It's uh, awesome. It is awesome. They're Black Lanterns without being, like, zombie-like. Yeah. Poor Ice. I wonder if, if this is the Wonder Woman that, like, the figure that we haven't seen the actual image for? Oh, it's gotta be. That Plus that cover, like, I saw a cover to one of the Wonder Woman tie-in issues that was, like, Mira fighting presumably Wonder Woman, and you can't see Wonder Woman, she's blacked out. So, like, this is definitely it. Okay. Oh, that's cool. I, I might actually, I think I would actually want a Black Lantern Wonder Woman figure. I like her, like, her uh, headpiece there, like her kind of tiara thing around her face. Yeah, I like that. Now, I want—I'm curious as to your thoughts of why this happened. Because, all right, if we're proceeding under the thought that this has all been according to Necron's plan, that for years and years and years he has been allowing people to die and then come back. So that they would be here. Like, he, he, he did this on purpose. He let them come back to life. And now all of a sudden he's putting rings on their fingers. Like, why did he let them come back? Like, what's the, what is the significance, I guess, of someone dying and then being allowed to come back to the, the world they lived in? Like, is there something different about them now? Is it, are they supposed to kind of spread something throughout the world that, they need to do later or like what like what do you think i i suppose it's because like you know since they've all died and come back they all carry within them the seed of death you know like they have existed or you know at least their you know quote unquote souls have existed in both the living and the dead realms so for them you know because necron has allowed it like they have they've passed between both realms in which case like you're probably going to need that you're probably going to need you know warriors who are going to be able to battle on you know both fronts okay so your thing is in like the regular black lanterns they're only good here but these black lanterns these are like his honor guard they can they can fight in the world of the light and the world of the dark Right, and like almost like since he's re- he's allowed them to be resurrected, then he still you know he controls a portion of them, as opposed to like the Black Lantern, like the regular Black Lanterns. It's like their bodies are 
are in the, the, the living world. So if you take that into the dead world, it's just going to be like, you know, just a, you know, mass, like a dead body. Mm. Hmm. What did you think about... Because if there's one huge thing that's important to this story, it's color. So what did you think about the coloring in this issue? And I guess more largely, I'm, I guess I'm, th- I'm thinking of, like, the coloring in this issue versus the coloring in Green Lantern. Oh. Uh, I mean, yeah, the coloring here is, like... It's completely different. Yeah, yeah, everything is, like, a, a dimmed-down tone. Like, everything is, like, everything's a little bit grimmer, a little bit grittier. It's like everything is, like... It's like you would look at, a, like, a horror film as opposed to, like, a romantic comedy kind of thing. I mean, like, okay, in Green Lantern, just look at where... Um, I don't know. Look at the the final splash page, for one for one example. You know, with the, all the batteries, like you have that. The page right before it, um, the page right before that. Everything's nice and bright and clean. Uh, right before that, you have the glowing green. You know, they're on riot, and you know, like this this dead forest of uh, Okara, and you know, it's like. Uh, it's still, you know, you still have scenes that are fairly bright. Whereas you go to Blackest Night, and, like, the whole thing takes, like, this much grittier tone. Like, here you have everybody powering up on this two-page spread, and, like, you see the energy, but, like, by the same token, like, you see the contrast, and there's so much shadow going on. You know, it's like like keeping everything in, like, this, this gloom of death. Yeah. And that's, like, the big thing, because I read these, like, these issues right after the other, like, one after the other, and just, like, going from the end of Green Lantern to the first page of Blackest Night, it's, like, the colors in Blackest Night are, they strike me as so much darker, I guess maybe deeper, or I don't don't even know, like, the, like, if you just compare the green and Hal's costume from one issue to the other, Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's, like, so... So insanely darker in Blackest Night than it is in Green Lantern. It's like it's barely even the same color. You know, it's it's just so weird. And this is something that's that's not not bothered me, but really stuck out to me. Like since Blackest Night started, is like I don't know how to describe it. Like like the coloring in here is almost it's darker and it's more intense maybe. Whereas like everything is like really really solid, really deep and dark and like kind of in your face about it. Right. Whereas, like, in, like, the regular Green Lantern issue, there's diff- there's more, like, shades, it's brighter. One one last thing that I wanted to mention back about uh, Green Lantern 48, what, uh, when Trocitus is uh, telling St. Walker, you know, how they're different, you had no one to blame. The Guardians Manhunters did this. They annihilated every living thing in my sector. Somehow the Black Lanterns are there doing as well. Like, right there, it's like, that's not really related to the concept of the Manhunters or what he was talking about with St. Walker. It's almost like a red flag, like, here's a clue, here's a clue. It's like, we're basically telling you that, yes, the Guardians are most certainly, you know, be behind the fact that the Black Lanterns are happening. 
I I just took it as like like the greatest tragedy in his life was directly caused by these people. Like he's he saw his whole world go to crap because of them. So now the whole universe is going to crap. It's they probably had something to do with it. Yeah, but... he hates he hates them so much he's ready to assign them blame whether he has facts or not. But I mean, like I can't see why, like he wouldn't have that much rage about that because he just lived through an attack from Black Lanterns. Like he can't be killed by Black Lanterns because they took out his heart. So I mean, like yeah, okay, he's rageful, but I don't think that would be something you know, like it's such a non sequitur. It's like you know. The the Guardians, you know, they killed my cat, and, you know, there's a, they, they, there's a raising, there's a raise in prices of houses, and somehow the Guardians are behind that, too. It's, like, two completely different things. They're so unrelated. That that's that's the thing, like, rage is not rational. Like, an emotional reaction to something is not a rational reaction. Right. It but, doesn't have to make sense. But Atrocitus is definitely, like, the most rational of all, like, the Red Lanterns. Yeah, but, like, uh, the most rational guy in the world who's driven by pure rage is still not going to be completely rational about everything. I mean, especially if you're talking about the subject of the people who murdered his entire species. So you're saying you don't think the Guardians are behind the Black Lanterns? Ultimately, yeah, they are. But, like... We have to see why. Yeah, well, I, I'm still going with my way, but like, like even like all the crap I was talking about at the beginning of this, like that would make the Guardians responsible for Blackest Night and the Black Lanterns, because like that's where like whether I'm right or not, that's where this is going. Like, the Guardians did something or prevented something, and that is why this is happening now. Like this is going to be their fault. But like I don't I don't take it as Atrocitus did some bloodletting ceremony and he knows, or the writers are letting you know, hey, watch out for those guardians, wink, wink. I think this is just him. Like, you could almost replace the Black Lanterns in that line with anything else. Totally disagree on that one, but uh, we'll wait and see. Yeah, stop being wrong. <laughs> so, uh, now that we've gone over how much time I actually have to record... yeah. Like well, when I edit it, it'll be like we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's just uh, run through our closing. Yeah, alright. If um, if you want to contact us, it's lanterncast at gmail.com, or you can write to us individually. You can plug in, you know, Dan or Jim or Jason at lanterncast.com. Um we have a voicemail number that Jim probably knows. And that number is area code 206-600-7357. We also have a website, lanterncast.com. There's a forum link there to thecomicforums.com. Scroll down to Lanterncast. Um, we're on iTunes. We're on Facebook. You can listen to the episodes there, too. Uh Thank you to everybody that has been leaving us uh, reviews on iTunes. That is absolutely fantastic. I checked today. We have a bunch. It's really cool. Yep. And, you know, once again, we know people sent us feedback on these issues. We just didn't have the time because, you know, Jim's getting married or something in, like, five minutes. And Oh, by the time they hear this episode, I will probably be married. 
Oh, man. The first one after that, you have to have Lauren on for, like, a couple minutes. <laughs> we'll see. Like, at the at the beginning or something. It'll be great. Actually, I think it's probably a good idea to mention that the next episode is probably going to be a few days late. Yeah. Yeah, so we're giving you a notice this time. Like, yes. granted, it's, it's kind of sucked that we had to skip a week, but, you know, things happen. Yes. And... Although, although I will say it is jumping a gun a little bit to wonder why the new episode isn't up the day before we usually post it, but, you know. <laughs> Not naming names, Hebrew Lantern. Oh, uh, you are... You suck. <laughs> I totally called him out on that one. You did. Now, or, you know what's gonna happen. He's gonna get his own podcast and just start talking crap about you. And then I'm gonna be a guest, and I'm gonna be like, yeah! Awesome. Alright, go get married. Yeah, I'll see you Saturday. It's Saturday. So long, everybody. Night. What I ever have to say? Words of shame. Words I should never say again. Why'd you ever have to read between the lines? Creating stories that should have been all left behind Why'd you ever have to hear my voice?